Costs to originate keep rising, even with more technology in the industry. The problem is the core platform. A new LOS can re-architect the process around data, not humans moving paper files. Vesta has built this LOS, and you can learn more at Vesta.com. Welcome, everyone. I'm Sarah Wheeler, Editor-in-Chief at HW Media, with the latest installment of the Housing Wire Daily Podcast, where I get to talk to editors and reporters about the most compelling stories and sources they're covering. Today, my guest is senior real estate reporter Matt Blake, and we'll be discussing his recent story on NFTs and the brave new world of real estate. I can't wait to jump in. Before we do that, here's a word from our sponsor. Why should you price your jumbo loans with PennyMac TPO? Is it the same great service you've come to expect with their conventional loans? Yes. Is it the competitive pricing they provide? Yes. Is it the fact that after closing, they don't sell off your borrowers so that you know they are in good hands? That would also be a yes. Get more information or price a jumbo AUS loan today at tpo.pennymac.com. PennyMac TPO is a division of PennyMac Loan Services, LLC, Equal Housing Lender. In MLS ID number 35953. Loans not available in New York. Licensed by the Department of Business Oversight under the California Residential Mortgage Lending Act. Conditions and restrictions may apply. Matt, welcome back to the podcast. Thanks, Sarah. Glad to be here. Okay, so first for our listeners, tell us where you are right now. Sure. I am at the Miami Beach Convention Center because I am covering a conference regarding real estate and crypto. It's being put on by a company called Proppy, which is a company based in uh, Silicon Valley that basically wants to put real estate transactions on the blockchain. And so there are about 400 people here and I would say about maybe 25, 30%, just very rough guess. The conference just started are like real estate agents. And then there's a lot of sort of venture capital people. Then there's people like tied in one way or another to cryptocurrency and the blockchain. And so it's it's a very, it's a very uh, interesting conference. I've never been to a conference like this before. This is the first ever crypto real estate conference. And, and basically... Um, it's, it's, you know, I, I don't, it's not tense at all. Like everybody's very polite and nice and stuff so far, but there's definitely already just in the first couple hours, some talk about like, you know, will the blockchain, will some of these new ideas being discussed, like displace the real estate agent in some way and sort of what is the marriage between traditional real estate deals and, and, uh, cryptocurrency and, and the blockchain. That's interesting to me because from, when, from my perspective, when I think about crypto and real estate or, or blockchain, it's not the it's not the real estate agent that I feel like might be getting disrupted. So why would you? I mean, why do you think that they might think that? I think that I, I th- that's a good question because I think that maybe the most affected industry were more deals like sales of homes to come on Ethereum or another blockchain platform, probably the most affected profession would be title insurers because those are the people that insure a property is bought and sold and the person who says they own the property really does legally own the property. And so if everything is on the blockchain and the ideal of the blockchain is that everything is recorded, everything, if you know computer coding at all, like you can just like see who owns everything in the world, that that would sort of make irrelevant 
title insurers. I think that the idea is, is that the real estate agent is also, and this is just an argument made by some, but that the real estate agent is also less relevant because everything is being done sort of instantaneously on the blockchain and there's not sort of that time between contract and close. The agent doesn't need to necessarily be a whiz at sort of, you know, say, Florida state law in terms of like how properties are transferred or what's the right person to talk to at the Miami-Dade county government or, or something like that. So I think that like it's it's just sort of – but it's it's so preliminary right now and, and the ideas that are being discussed here are, are not totally tangible. So I feel like many real estate agents see – uh, the blockchain as an opportunity. Many of them see it as a threat. And then probably the majority of them, you know, see it as kind of too early to form an opinion on. Really appreciate that explanation. Uh, I, I share your thought there that the title industry is the one that should probably be the most uh, paying the most attention here. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I can understand, listen, real estate agents have felt like they're being assaulted on all sides by people who want to change, disrupt their, what they do. So I, I can see it. I do think, you know, mostly, um, it's interesting. I'll, I'll, I'll be interested to see your reporting from the conference to see what kind of real estate agents are there and interested and really see this as a potential um, way to boost their business, right? Because that's already a pretty uh, progressive set of real estate agents. It's like, hey, I'm going to go to this conference mm -hmm. and find out about it. Yeah, I think that, you know, I think real estate agents, I talk to a lot of real estate agents. There are a few like Richard Hopin of Compass in New Jersey. Uh, Dana Perino is here. She's an agent down here in Miami. Uh, Thad Wong of Ad Properties, I think, is here. Um, but in any case, I've, I've talked with him before about NFTs and the blockchain. And, and, and I think that a lot of real estate agents are pretty open to this as an opportunity or a way to like simplify parts of the real estate transaction or just as like something to monitor since like crypto is such a growing part of kind of the economic landscape right now. Um, I do feel like, I mean, real estate agents are interesting to cover in, in part because they're like kind of like the face of the transaction, you know, like what's cool about like what housing wire, like what we do coverage wise is sort of like we look at the fact, well, there are also title insurers, there are appraisers, there's loan officers. But for many consumers, I think like the sort of like face of the transaction is the real estate agent. And, and I think that like because of that, I think that like maybe like when people think about this as a traditional way of doing business, they they think about the real estate agent. Um, and, you know, but it, it's it's just a again, it's it's we're in a very early stage of this. There's literally been one deal in the U.S. that is um, involved, uh, you know, NFTing a property. So um, right now it's just sort of conjecture and, and kind of venture capital firms seeing what they want to spend money on. Well, let's talk about that. So so you wrote uh, an article earlier this week, which was, or actually last week, NFT mania and the future of the home sale. So mm -hmm. interesting. And um, I really want to talk about that. And what, what you went into there was that sale of a house um, where the asset exchanged and represented uh, by, a, by an NFT. So 
for those of us uh, who may not be as familiar with NFTs, talk about what that, you know, it stands for non-fungible token, but what does that mean? Yeah, I think that it's, it's, it's really, um, it's, it's not that difficult of a concept. I was a little intimidated by it before I started reporting on this article, but I think that like, basically an, an NFT is like a token that represents something else. So like if you have, if you have an NFT of a painting, that means that you don't necessarily have the painting, but you have a token that's representing uh, the copyright of that painting. And so NFTs have been commodified in the art world over the past year a lot because it's basically a way for artists to sell rights of art, of music, uh, also, you know, to sell rights of, of digital art that has been sort of, you know, you obviously can't put digital art in like your local art gallery and, and you know, have people drink wine and, and pay for it or some, something like that. You need sort of a new economic sphere for that. And so that's kind of been the most practical use of NFT so far. But because they've grown so exponentially, like I don't have the figure on top of my head, but they've grown like a thousand percent in terms of like worldwide sales of NFTs in the past, uh, from 2020 to 2021, people are exploring new ways, uh, to use NFTs. And one of those ways is real estate. And there are a couple of different things going on here. One, which my story is not about, um, but definitely deserves further exploration is sort of metaverses and sort of sandbox and these virtual worlds in which real estate is being bought and sold. But what I was looking at is just sort of, you know, the real tangible physical world and how NFTs can be used to buy and sell property. And so basically there's this company called Proppy. They bought and sold a property through an NFT actually in Kyiv, Ukraine last year. And now they did one in the suburbs of St. Petersburg, Florida. And what they did was they moved this home in St. Petersburg, Florida, like a 50-year-old brick home, $600,000 was listed for. They moved it into a limited liability company or an LLC and then what they did was create an NFT of the LLC. So that was the first step. The second step was that they auctioned off the property to people who have enough crypto. In this case, it was the Ethereum blockchain. So people who have enough Ether currency in their crypto wallet to have enough of this asset to bid on this property. And so somebody won the bid, I think it was for like the dollar equivalent of over $600,000. And so ideally for Proppy, for in fans of crypto, in some future world, that would be the end of it. Somebody won the bid, they get the property, you simply transfer over this token and that confers the right to own the property. However, because the law basically does not consider NFTs and does not consider crypto. I know Joe Biden came out with an executive order yesterday sort of, you know, gingerly saying the federal government is going to explore this issue. But because presently the law does not incorporate crypto, does not incorporate NFTs, what had to happen was, is that they had to do this entire parallel process where basically the title deed 
in the county, Pinellas County, Florida, was transferred over. And so they both had to do the NFT process, which was done on the Ethereum blockchain. And then additionally, they had to do the traditional process of transferring over the title deed at a county government records shop. So basically what this is, you know, to use the cliched phrase proof of concept, like what happened in Florida was basically saying, look, this can be done. We can buy and sell property on NFTs. So it's showing it can be done, but right now legally it's kind of impossible to, um, you know, do real estate sales over um, a blockchain because you also have to do it over the traditional legal way of exchanging real estate in the United States, and, and that's through county government. Well, and um, I think you did a great job in the story of really, you know, untangling this thread and going, you know, here's what was, here's what happened, here's what that means legally, here's what it means to the buyer and seller as far as the commission, for instance, for the the, the real estate commission on that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but but one of the things that you talked about in there is the fact that, um, you know, not a single Florida title company would touch the Gulfport sale. Uh, right. So, and again, that's an industry that I think would be very reluctant to uh, to accept blockchain or to, to want to move forward in this because it really does mean a, a whole different future potentially for them. Yeah, it really does. I talked to the American Land Title Association for the article, and they're the major trade group for title in the United States. They did not seem as alarmed as I thought. Basically, they believe that there would still be, even if uh, property transfers were to move over to a blockchain, they believe there would still be a need for title insurance and a need for their members. And they also said that, you know, they're not like, uh, at least the folks I talked to, they're not like sort of, you know, romanticizing the current world of like Excel spreadsheets and paper records to uh, record property deeds. They admitted that, you know, some counties and some title companies even need to do a better job in terms of digitizing records. And, you know, they said that they would be open to, uh, you know, recording records on a blockchain ledger as opposed to an Excel spreadsheet or, you know, big physical ledger book that counties have right now. I think that I think that a question and an, a lot of people have and an insight a lot of people have is, well, why not just digitize more records? Like, why not just modernize records in a way that, I mean, there's a lot of you know, um, you know, there were network, network servers, you know, 15 years ago when I was in, in college, like that, th- that would share, you know, my I'd type a word document in one computer lab, and I could find it in another computer lab. Like, you know, there's the cloud, there's not really like, um, there's, there's a way to sort of modernize the title process without necessarily putting it on the blockchain. And so I think, to many people, there's sort of a conceptual question as to, okay, maybe real estate is old fashioned, maybe title is old fashioned, but is blockchain necessarily the answer uh, to modernizing it or does it create a whole new set of problems? Well, I think that's really interesting, especially because as your story points out, um, one of the whole new sets of problems is if something's recorded on one blockchain, it doesn't mean that it's recorded on other blockchains. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. Does it really solve something if it's like, you know, someone's like, well, this is on the blockchain, but, you know, it's not on your blockchain. We we haven't come up with one 
officially sanctioned blockchain, right? I mean, you know, I'm sure there are ones that are doing, maybe Ethereum is is uh, more recognized or doing better than others, but like mm-hmm. there's not one universal one right now. Yeah, exactly. So I think the blockchain, you know, that everyone's heard of is Bitcoin, which was sort of the original, um, you know, Bitcoin is sort of the original cryptocurrency. And then probably sort of the Pepsi to Bitcoin's Coke is uh, Ethereum. And Ethereum was the first blockchain to accept non-fungible tokens. And so it's also kind of more of like, uh, a way that, you know, a lot of people that are dabbling in blockchain, investing in current cryptocurrency, uh, use one of those two. But there are dozens of uh, blockchains out there. Uh, uh, my, my, my editor, James Kleiman, he wrote a story about a company called Figure that is trying to do mortgage servicing rights and the securitization of mortgages on the blockchain. But the blockchain they use was basically created by their founders called Provenance. And then there are like, you know, a blockchain for the Dogecoin, which I think was like something Elon Musk was briefly obsessed with. But there's like dozens of blockchains out there. And so as you point out, if we were to ever do deals on more than just like a novelty level scale, we would need to agree on a blockchain. Because basically what can happen right now is that, you know, if I own a property, I can NFT that property and sell it to you over one blockchain, but then maybe I could also NFT that property and sell it to you over another blockchain. And so like, how are you going to be able to like keep track of what is the proper NFT? What is the appropriate blockchain? Um, One idea that was proposed by Anthony Zhang, who's a professor at the University of Chicago, is that at some point there would be a, a government blockchain, basically like, you know, like the blockchain version of like a public option where basically like properties would be bought and sold publicly. And I don't know if, you know, some of the companies and people involved in crypto might be sort of philosophically or pragmatically opposed to that. But basically what that would solve for is knowing what blockchain to not only like sell a property on, but knowing the right blockchain to search for a property on. Because if I, you know, see a house, I want to buy it. I want to see the NFT for the house. I need to know what blockchain to go to in order to make an inquiry about that house. That's such a great point. You know, another thing that you dive into in the story is um, just the fact that NFTs can be stolen. Um, And obviously a title deed could be stolen too. It's it's a little bit, um, you know, far-fetched to think, you know, okay, I mean, I don't know if it's far-fetched. The idea of going into a county recording office and being able to steal the title deed out of, you know, I mean, that's already been, you know, in a ledger somewhere, whatever. Whereas, you know, you do see, especially with with crypto, just like pulling out a little bit crypto, I mean, things disappear overnight, you know, and NFTs, it's sort of the same thing. There's also that question of like, if it's just a picture of something, if it's a... can't somebody take a picture of the picture and then what is that, you know, and, and you kind of go into that in your story. So right. tell us a little bit about the safety of, of NFTs sp- specifically um, for this, for this process. Right. So to make like a very simple point, the blockchain, the appeal of the blockchain is that basically transactions are irreversible. Basically you don't need to, I don't need to like call Chase Bank, Bank of America, you know, I don't need to work with Amazon. I can sell you something over the blockchain. 
it's done. There's coding that shows it's been done. And so in theory, this means that we need to deal with less middlemen in our lives, that sort of the companies of so-called Internet 2.0, Google, Amazon, that have been profiting off of commerce by being the middle people, you know, will gradually have a smaller role. But the problem with that is that if somebody, you know, this actually embarrassingly enough happened to me a few months ago where I, I was like moving cities and I was pretty stressed out and I was like taking all these calls and like somebody called me and said that like somebody had like hacked into my Amazon account and like had bought an iPhone and like I didn't have the presence of mind to realize that this was a scam immediately and I was like stupid enough again an embarrassing story stupid enough to basically like give them enough information that they could like hack into my bank account and so but that was just an inconvenience because then I was able to like call my bank and basically say like you know, I got scammed here. Can you please like change the passwords of my bank? Can you please make sure that like, you know, nothing has happened here. I was issued a new credit card, that kind of thing. It was, you know, it was a hassle for me, but it was no more than that. The problem with the blockchain is, is that somebody is doing exactly the same thing, phishing, whatever you want to call it with your crypto wallet right now, only instead of you being able to reverse that, it can't be reversed. Um, you can, you know, Google articles on OpenSea, this blockchain platform, which has been, you know, I think had positive effects for artists as a way to sort of buy and sell art. But it's also people are like left and right, breaking into it, taking stuff from people's crypto wallets and and it's irreversible. And so that's that's the biggest problem is that sort of paradoxically, the benefit of the blockchain has been sort of also what's led to more crypto theft, you could argue. And then the second point I would make is toward what you were saying about like, you know, yeah, like somebody could just like break into a county office or like, you know, a, a disgruntled county worker or, or whatever could just like take a picture of a title deed and basically be like, this is, the, this is an NFT. This is like, um, you know, like right now they couldn't gain much traction with that because you still need to use the actual title deeds. But hypothetically, if we're going to create a world where there's mass development of uh, NFTs to use as real estate, we need to have like a more secure way of authenticating that the NFT is actually tied back to the property. Because at this point, given there's so many blockchains, given the immutability of blockchain ledgers and, you know, given the lack of regulation around it, it's it's very easy to commit fraud right now. You know, it is always the trouble with something that's non-regulated is, you know, a lot of the regulations put in place that, that make our lives, you know, more cumbersome or make this process more cumbersome are also the things that safeguard it, right? I mean, you know, that the mortgage process, we've all said that the transaction, the real estate transaction takes too long, needs to be disrupted, blah, blah, blah. It's true. At the same time, nobody wants, you know, nobody wants that to go awry. It's a lot of money. It's a huge investment. And so it, it is such an interesting part of this. Um, well, I really appreciate you breaking down for uh, at, at that level. And I think you're, I would encourage all of our listeners to go read your story because it's, it's a great deep dive into the whole, you know, all the different parts of this, the NFT part, the blockchain part, the, you know, what this means for real estate commissions part. Um, I'd love to know what you're going to be looking at at this conference. Are there specific uh, sessions you're going to go to or people you're going to talk to? 
Yeah, for sure. So this conference is sort of uh, a mix of, like I was saying at the start a little bit, uh, realtors, like the Miami Association of Realtors is here. Uh, Folks from, I was just um, on, not on a panel, I was just watching a panel where uh, Home Services of America, so, you know, Warren Buffett's uh, real estate brokerage, you know, very traditional real estate brokerage, couple folks from there are here. Um, the uh, head of the Asian American Realtors Association is here. So basically we have traditional members of the real estate industry which are at this conference, which is really cool. And so I hope to sort of, sort of out of practice with uh, the pandemic, but I hope to sort of, you know, go up to folks, introduce myself, basically say like, hey, like, what do you think of all this? Do you feel like what about this is exciting to you? What about this makes you nervous? And so I think that's a really exciting opportunity for me because I have at this conference, both those people, but then you have sort of the tech people and kind of like what I mean by the tech people, like what I mean by the tech people is this company Proppy that's organizing this, that are basically uh, people that are pretty sophisticated and well-versed in the blockchain, but maybe don't quite know how to monetize that in a way that like intersects with residential real estate. And then there are people from uh, companies like Superworld that are creating like metaverses and are trying to get real estate agents to steer their clients to metaverses. So that's one piece of it. And then you have a bunch of like people either prominent or kind of lurking around that are venture capital financiers and basically people that are willing and able to spend money on the next company that's going to claim to disrupt real estate. And, you know, uh, the company for, to give it one example, R7, which is a Chicago based VC firm is here. Um, like, so I'm, I'm very interested to see, I, I think I have to commend property. They've, they've done a good job here because basically like every panel here is like pretty meaty and and dealing with pretty meaty regulatory legal issues and sort of how real estate and 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 uh tech intersects so i i do feel like a lot of the material i'll be be getting here for stories and and today and tomorrow and also future stories can kind of be gleaned from these panels but i'm also just interested to see kind of the mood you know at the cocktail hour during lunch in a little bit about kind of like what are these discussions like between like the VC firms and the real estate agents and the real estate brokers? Like what do the VC firms really see that they can like get out of this and monetize this? Because it's the article that we've been talking about mentions, like it's really kind of, it's, it's so preliminary at this point. It's in such a novelty stage at this point. Like if I were a venture capital financier, you know, we've already seen, you know, iBuying, for example, um, that was a big venture capital thing a few years ago. That is yet to sort of generate returns for the folks who say invested money in open doors. So my question would be, if I were a VC financier, like, what can I see that would actually like give me a return by say the year 2030? And it's it's really like, it's hard for me to see what that might be, but I think that I think that what everybody in this space, from venture capital people to real estate agents, you know, to just people like myself that are just trying to like 
still understand what's going on. I think everybody really wants to see the legal aspect of this. And there's going to be a panel this afternoon on that because we really want to see what is, it's not so much the question of like whether the technology is there to facilitate some of these deals being done virtually. It's more the question as to, you know, there are very specific policies and procedures that have been handed down since like 16th century England dealing with the buying and selling in real estate. And we want to see how those policies and procedures are going to like intersect with this whole new way of, of buying and selling real estate. Well, that sounds fascinating. I cannot wait to uh, see some of your reporting on this and not just on the conference, but how that's going to inform what you look at next when it comes to real estate. So, so glad you're on the case. <laughs> so glad you're figuring this out for all of us and that you can uh, give us that insight. I would tell our listeners to um, go check out that um, article that you wrote. And then also, um, you know, you mentioned property quite a bit. And our, our sister site, Real Trends, Tracy Velt, the editorial director there, interviewed Adam Brown, who's the vice president of business development for Proppy, on mm-hmm. her latest podcast mm-hmm. on simplifying crypto, NFT, and the blockchain. So, you know, if people want to hear more, that's a great place to, to get more information, too. But, Matt, thank you so much for joining. Yeah, thanks a lot for having me, Sarah. Looking for more insight into what will happen in 2022? Or maybe you need more information on what in the world is happening with the federal regulators. Or you could just be looking for information on how to stay competitive as the industry shifts to a purchase-focused market. Our HW Plus Premium Membership comes with all of this insight and more. With your HW Plus Membership, you'll get at least five HW Plus articles a week that dive deeper into the daily news to help you confidently make business decisions. To join, go to housingwire.com forward slash membership. Thanks for listening to Housing Wire Daily. If you haven't already, we'd love for you to take a minute to rate the show or leave a comment. We'll see you back here on Monday for more news and insight.